Hello and welcome to Time Out with Tammy and Tyler. I'm Tammy. And I'm Tyler. And we're here to explore how people evolve from early career higher education HR professionals to leaders like VPs and Chief Human Resource Officers. So what we really want is to learn more about how some of these really amazing people got to where they are and what their perspective is on some hot HR topics and issues. And today, our very special guest is the one and only Mark Coldren, the Associate Vice President of Human Resources for the State University of New York, Buffalo. Mark is also a program mentor for the Coupa HR Wildfire Program and also one of our all-time favorite humans. Right, Tammy? Uh, absolutely. Uh, Mark, welcome. <laughs> Thanks so much for taking time out to chat with us today. We are, Tyler and I were both so fortunate to get to know you pretty well during our year in the wildfire program. Um, and naturally, you were a no-brainer for a guest on this podcast um, and the chance to pick your brain for other people who aren't involved in wildfire to get to learn from you. Um, so for me personally, one of my favorite things about your approach to HR is that it's kind of no-nonsense. Um, and that's really refreshing because I am kind of the same way. Um, and you definitely bring a sense of humor to things that sometimes in HR we can be a little stuffy. Um, I haven't found that as much with the Koopa folks. They tend to be more more fun than traditional HR people, but um, definitely one of my favorite things. Well, I appreciate that, both of you. I mean, I look at it as, uh, I'll use my grandmother's phrase, if you can't laugh at it, it's probably not important. And my guess is that as HR pros, we laugh every day, every day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Well, without any further ado, we're just going to jump into some questions that we've got for you, Mark. So the first question that I have for you is actually regarding your personal career path. I know uh, it's been a unique one uh, compared to a lot of folks, and I've heard in personal conversations and with the group, uh, your quote-unquote home radius before <laughs> and uh, the route that you've taken up there in New York. Um, could you expound upon that a little bit and what your career path has looked like? I sure can, Tyler. I, I look at it as I'm I'm what I call a really lucky guy. I'm a I'm a New Yorker, born and bred, and you could put a pinpoint in the middle of the state and draw a circle about four or five hundred miles, and I've been able to have a career within that circle and done a lot of different things. So it's been kind of uh, an interesting way of. Of, of growing at what you do every day and finding the things that you like. I started off, I was a, I was a teacher. It's what I always wanted to do. And I taught history for a number of years, middle school and high school and, and really loved it. And then I think things happen, life happens. And uh, the, the district I was in had a cutback. And so I was trying to figure out what to do. And I ended up going back to graduate school. And when I went back to graduate school, to get my master's, I had an assistantship. And one of the things in, as part of the assistantship is we started to work with, uh, through the School of Education with organizations, most of them were not-for-profits and schools. And, and a lot of the topics we worked with them on were organizational structure and leadership development and um, focusing on, on what would help uh, education be better. And so when I finished my graduate work, I thought I'd go back to teaching, but instead I got recruited by a company. So I worked for a private company and I, I went into their area of helping to design training for uh, customer service reps. And it was uh, it was just done right over the New York border in New Jersey. And I was at their corporate headquarters and, and we were looking at building a large curriculum. And I began to look at what their job expectations were, the description, how they were getting hired, and the big reason we were hired was because of turnover. 
So all these factors, even though I, I was working on learning, were now about learning why people were effective on the job. So from there, I went to another couple of companies and I worked in manufacturing, I worked in distribution, uh, and, and all of these things, uh, each time I got a different kind of role around uh, what uh, organizations do differently to be more effective. And HR was really kind of the facilitator for all of that. And then I was really lucky. I got recruited to work at an institution. Uh, I was at Syracuse University, and, and my former boss there was trying to build a team where he split folks from private sector as well as higher education. And I was one of the private sector folks. And it was probably one of the most proud days. I always tell my mother that when I had a I still had the first business card of being at an institution and it happened to be near where I grew up, Syracuse University. And I was very proud to be part of it, but I started to get an affiliation for what higher ed is and the kind of things HR can do. Uh, from there, I went to another institution, another private, and now I'm at a public. And so I, I really love what I get to do. It's a variety um, and it's not, it wasn't a direct path to get here. And uh, sometimes we talk to students who go into HR and we, uh, they, they always say, what should I do first? And I kind of smile and say, there is not a clear way to go. You just kind of start off with what are you interested in? Yeah, no, that's so powerful. That I love that. The, the intro wasn't necessarily uh, trying to get directly into something HR specific, but it's how you ended up. And something else that you uh, just spoke about reminded me of another conversation we had regarding our affinities for other cultures and your experience uh, implementing HR practices in other cultures. Could you speak to that experience a little bit as well? Yeah, I think that uh, culture is kind of an interesting term. Uh, I just uh, attended a, uh, a session for HR officers who are in uh, AAU institutions, research-based institutions. And this gentleman who is a big CHRO for a large company talked about uh, that good HR practices at the center of three circles, uh, the talent, uh, the culture, and the strategy. And if you're in the center where those things come together, then you're probably in the right space. And when he talked about culture, it made me think that uh, it, at every organization, there's a way people feel. There's a way that people look to uh, the past and the way people that try to look to the future. And there are some similarities, but higher education uh, has a tendency to really want to rely on people respecting what it's like to work in higher education. And in some ways, it gets to be a little bit of a barrier when you bring in new people in because everyone says, well, gosh, they've never been in higher education. So the change of the culture of higher education to me is we have to embrace that there's a lot of transferability, that people can come in and you could be part, like, for example, a great uh, career path um, is for people to come from military background and come work in higher ed. And I always thought like, well, that seems like they're complete opposite until you listen to someone who's come through the military and you understand the things that they embrace, the values they embrace that actually will work in higher education really well. So I think culture is really understanding your organization, listening to people and seeing the direction you want to go. And if HR isn't part of that, then you're not really doing your job. Some guy called it keeper of the culture is what HR is. I don't know. That's kind of a little far out. I don't think we keep it. I think leaders enable it and everyone is one who keeps it. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much for sharing on that. Um, in addition to your personal 
career projection and uh, trajectory. We also kind of wanted to hear a little bit more about the wildfire program and how that played into your career and kind of how you found it and um, what that's been like so far for you. Yeah, Coop HR, I think, is probably one of the greatest things I've ever been part of. It's it's an association that really, uh, it's, it's, it's so much more than what people like to say, professional networking. I think that term is too small. I think it's, it's more than that. And uh, I think several years ago, there were a lot of efforts where members were trying to think about how to mentor and how to help people, uh, how to help the association grow. And we tried a mentoring program and there was some success. And, and then we really listened to the national office that said, we're hearing a lot of people who are earlier in their career come to Coop HR and they don't know how to progress. Uh, would you be interested in helping with that? And I think it was at a conference, oh God, it was probably six, seven years ago in Boston. They had the very first, um, they invited early career professionals and uh, other people a little longer in the tooth like me. And they said, uh, let's put everybody in a room and let's talk about whether or not connections can be made. So each of us was able to get one or two folks that we could uh, connect with. And it kind of was a part of what we were doing a lot of less formally in the regions where we were uh, trying to include new people and, and introduce ourselves. And so after that, and we listened to some of those relationships that got developed, uh, the organization got formal about it and said, we should create something, we should build something. And uh, so then we talked about uh, those folks and the term came up that if we invested in enough of them, they would spread like a wildfire. So uh, <laughs> that would look at that. There's the origins of where it came from. And, and then what happened is that uh, the association invested, put resources aside. We started with a, an initial cohort of six. And, you know, because I was part of the board at the time, I was thrilled to get involved with it because this is the thing that I, I think you pay it forward, you give back. If you get into some kind of a, a leadership position, that's my responsibility. So to be able to be part of this, every year I get a chance to meet folks, it's it's a gift that gives back to me in tenfold. So I'm, I'm thrilled to be part of it and I'm thrilled that I, the association um, still lets me do it because it's really something I find to be probably the best thing I've ever done in my career. Wow, that's awesome. I know Ty, I can speak for Tyler uh, and myself in this case when we say we're really glad that they let you do it too <laughs> and that they yeah, included absolutely. us um, in in part yeah. of it. Um, I know both of us have just had some amazing experiences. The two of us both um, got new jobs recently, you know, after after being part of the program, and I'm sure that that was a huge part of it for both of us, um, just helping us feel ready and, and more grounded in things. Um, so you talked a lot, Mark, about kind of all your different career moves and, and your path, uh, you know, kind of winding. What have you done to prepare for those things, um, you know, especially the ones that were planned and then the ones that maybe weren't quite as well thought out or, or kind of just happened? Um, what do you do when you're thinking about a career move to prepare yourself? And then I think this question is kind of two parts. So what have you done? And then what do you think early career professionals need to be doing to kind of make themselves ready for the next the next jump? It's always fascinating to think that all of a sudden a light bulb pops on and you think, geez, I'm ready for something. Uh, I, I think it, it it does occur to you when you, you look at the role you're in and you you think you can do more and maybe you've you've hit a milestone or a series of milestones. Or I think when you begin to look out within the profession and you get contacts with other individuals, there's a nature 
that we all kind of have that we compare ourselves and we say, okay, I think I would like a bigger challenge. I think I like, would like an opportunity. And some people do it in HR based on the function. They would like to do different work within HR. And then the one part I think we all should be honest about, sometimes it's like you would like to be the one that leads the group. You would like to be working with uh, other folks and help uh, create a, a team. So I, I think it's it's about understanding when you, you think you're ready and how can you demonstrate that. Uh, I found that when I was at a kind of a mid-sized institution, and I started to talk with folks who were at bigger places, and I thought that's where I would like to, that's where the action was, and I wanted to try to get into that. I found that I got into the interview, and then I always found the, the questions would be, well, gee, Mark, you're in a smaller uh, private institution with about 6,000 students. How could you possibly come work at a research-based institution with 35,000 students. And, and I think I got pretty good at trying to talk about why I thought I was ready. And I think career path is about, can you articulate that? And it may not be it, about experience. It's more about that you're prepared. The hard part about experience is that that's the number one thing every search looks for, and it really shouldn't be. We have so much experience in higher ed. You don't know. We have a ton of it. So why not complement that by people who are preparing themselves? And you can do that by what you think you're ready for, uh, by being a lifelong learner. You can do it uh, how you prepare to get ready. And that could be uh, getting involved, reaching out, trying to find different experiences you could be connected to on your own campus as well as in the industry. And then how do you demonstrate uh, that you've done some projects that are preparing you for leadership, even if you haven't been the identified leader. Uh, I, I think that uh, for other people to get ready, it, it, it is about trying to get a different perspective and look at some other things that are going on. The association, Coop HR, is a great way to do that because when you go to a conference, it isn't so much if you're doing compensation, you wanna learn more about that, that's great. How can you also learn about impact to other things? So career path, it's, it's not a linear thing. It's not always about next step. Sometimes it's about a step sideways or a step in a totally different environment. Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. And I wonder, you know, for me when I was trying to kind of move into higher ed, I had those those same feelings, you know, what do I have to bring to the table and I really had to talk myself out of um the fear that I was having. And you know, I think people no matter how experienced they are still have that fear, right? So I'm sure you even at the level that you have worked at now when you're going for a new job, is there still that that voice in your head that's saying maybe you're not ready for this? Is there still some of that fear there? There totally is. And, and I, I hear it with my folks all the time, too. A lot of times I'll sit with uh, somebody and say, hey, have you seen this posting? This is something you should be interested in. First question is, well, why are you showing this to me? You want to get rid of me? Am I not doing the job? Am I? In? And the answer is no. You're, I think you could do this role. And in the back of your mind, you're thinking, hey, this is one of my best people. What am I doing showing them a job in another institution? I think it, 
some folks will look at it and talk themselves out of it. Uh, my daughter does that a lot. In fact, my daughter is in HR and it's a great, it's, it's a wonderful, let's put it this way, Sunday dinner conversation is very fun when she comes over because we just kind of <laughs> lament about the things we see. But for her, she would always talk herself out of, I'm not ready for that. I don't have the right experiences. And I could ask her five questions and demonstrate to her, I think you are. And I think part of it is you go a little bit past your doubt and you say, wait a minute, I could find out in the process of, of in an interview or expressing interest in a position by putting myself out there, I can tell them, look, I, I know, let me lead with it. I haven't done this before, but I believe I'm ready for it because I've had a great experience preparing doing these other things. I think more people should look at opportunities that way rather than say, I read the job description. I only have three of the six things. Yeah, you have three of the six. And I'm going to tell you, I'm looking for all six. They're only going to find that with someone who's been doing the job for 10 years. And in higher ed, that's expensive. And we may not be able to afford that all the time. So a lot of times it's better to take, uh, uh, a, it's not really a risk, but take a chance on somebody who potentially could come in. I tell my boss that all the time. She took a chance on me. And, and it's, it's like a little thing I carry in my wallet all the time to, to tell her I want to do better because you took a chance on me coming from a smaller place to a bigger place. Yeah, absolutely. I think for anybody that's working in the, the talent acquisition space, especially in higher ed, it's a song that we sing on the regular, um, you know, you don't need someone that meets every single criteria. They just have to be willing to learn those things. Do you think that there is like an underlying fear that a lot of leaders in higher ed have of thinking, oh man, what if we invest in our people? What if we do uh, get them to another level and they leave us. And I think that the fear should be in the reverse. You know, this uh, this fear should be, what if we don't invest in them and they don't leave us, you know, they just stay exactly where they are at that same desk for 25 years. That should really be what the underlying fear should be, you know? And yeah, I agree. And when, <laughs> right. And, and think about it this way too, Tyler, is that you see that uh, search committees talk themselves out of candidates. They say, gosh, mm -hmm. I don't see Tyler here in 10 years. And I'm saying to myself, you know what? The job he's uh, interested in isn't designed for someone to be in it for their whole career. So why are you looking 10 years down the road? And if they stay for four, what a terrific ride we get for the four years before we go on. It's just really kind of flipping the conversation. And it's really hard because search committees are very traditional and they, they look for who's who is expressing interest to be stable and stay forever. And who knows, maybe they will stay. And I, I have colleagues that have stayed in institutions 25, 30 years and had a marvelous reinventing career over and over. And other folks, I think they stay because it's comfortable. And you, sometimes career uh, projection is about being a little uncomfortable. And that can really help you get to something better if you're willing to take a little bit of a chance on yourself that you are ready to go do that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Great advice. Um, so on a little bit of a lighter note, we are hoping that you'll share with um, our listeners something fun about yourself. Tyler and I have had a lot of great experiences, so we know lots of the fun stuff, but um, <laughs> a hobby, something you like to do, something non-HR related just to um, connect with our audience a little bit. Well, um, something I did in college allows me to have even more fun at weddings than I than most people do. And when I was in college, I actually was on a group that uh, competed in ballroom dancing, if you can believe that, because I'm actually kind of a clod. Uh, <laughs> 
So when people watch uh, Dancing with the Stars, that's not really ballroom dancing. That's flipping people around and throwing them up in the air. But uh, I, I got a chance to to learn how to do some of the traditional things like a tango and a rumo and those things. And I'll tell you what, whenever I go to a wedding, I'm always good to dance with someone's Aunt Millie. I can fake it pretty good now. <laughs> Honestly, that is awesome. a fantastic fun fact. And I think, Sammy, I think I see the comings of a new show, Dancing Through HR yes. with Mark. I don't know. I think we might have to talk to our producers about that one. <laughs> I think we can make it work. Fantastic. I think we can make it work. Yeah, it I won't be a mirror work. wall. We'll have to come up with something else. But I think it yeah. should be more of like a reality TV show setting. I think it's great. I think we'll run with that. Um, well, Mark, thank you so much for joining us today and a uh, minor plug here, but I hope that we both get to see you at this year's annual conference in Orlando, Florida. Yeah, thanks, Tyler. And and I just want to remind everybody that anybody who's interested in the wildfire program uh, will be looking for applications in the year 2020 between the block of February 10th and 28th. I hope that people who are earlier in their career express interest. It's a terrific program. You get to be super famous like Tyler and Tammy and now. My career resume is complete. I got to be on a podcast with the YouTube superstars, so I feel pretty good about that. Oh, well, thanks, thanks, Mark. Mark. You're the best. All right, well, have a great day, and we appreciate you being on with us.